0: Michelle Plachey said it all. Today we're talking about friendships outside of the church. Um, And we're going to be in John 17 for a while. We're just going to camp out there for a little bit. I'm getting some feedback. Is there feedback? Oh, okay. So I'm going to have one of our most recent graduates come up, Kaylee. And Kaylee is going to read. And, um, you know, just wait one second, but you can come stand by me if you want. So I think, you know... The question that we should probably be asking every time we read scripture is what is God's heart here? And what is God's heart for friendship and for people outside of the church as Kaylee's about to read this prayer from Jesus? So Kaylee, if you come up and read John 17. So if you want to pull it up on your phone or if you brought a physical Bible, that would be great to read along because there is a lot of good stuff here. And I will scoot over here.
1: Okay, John 17. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing your work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out to the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and now they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I prayed for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your power, your name, and the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name and gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and they and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than i am of the world my prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one they are not of the world even as i am not of it sanctify them the truth the word word is truth as you sent me into the world i have sent them into the world for them i sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified my prayer is not for them alone I pray also for those who will believe in me through the message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and me are one, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, and that they may be one as we are one, I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, and that I have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those I want you to have given to me <laughs> with me <laughs> where I am and to see my glory the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and you know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and I will continue to make known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them.
0: Thank you. <clears throat> I, uh, it might not seem like it, but I have a lot of like anxious energy right here, and I feel like I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew. Um, so I do apologize for that. But yeah, also this slide. These are not devil horns on these people. These are antlers, holiday antlers. So don't be like, I'm the one wearing the Santa hat, and people outside the church have these little devil horns. That's definitely not what's going on. These are friends enjoying a, a holiday party. Okay. So the cool thing about this prayer from Jesus and that question of what is God's heart here is that this is actually an intimate display of Jesus' heart. Like we get this long portrait of the things he really cares about. And in his prayer, he's praying that we, the people that his disciples and the people who will come to know him through his disciples will go out and love other people the way he did Real, deep, sacrificial love, the same way Jesus loves us. And he's praying right before he's about to embark on a cruel death march. And he's also brutally humiliated, lied about, and his best buds abandon him, most of them. Um, and can you imagine the humility knowing like you're about to go through an excruciating death? for everyone to see, and the people who you're closest with, most of them are just not there, and they pretend like they don't know you, and then to then pray for them. Like, I, I don't think I could do that yet. I don't think that I'm at that place in, like, my maturity with the Lord yet, so that's just something to take note of, and um, next slide, please, and so the theme or scene that's happening here is that Jesus's prayer is for people who are being sent on mission, and so, mission is a key word, I think, when we think about friendships outside of the church. Uh, mission to a world that is in desperate need for Jesus. And this prayer also reveals our purpose and eternal life that he's offering. This is really good news. He's offering life to the full now and after death. And this prayer seems to be a summary of Jesus' goals and cares. And we are called to be like him. And therefore, our goals should reflect his. And that includes mission. And God, when, he, when Jesus was here, <laughs> and he's still here, but, you know, it gets complicated. But, like, God reveals himself as an alternative to the darkness in the world. But he also considers us responsible for our decision to follow him or not. And therefore, we should offer an alter- alternative to the darkness of the world today. And what does that look like? I'll get into that later, but think about what does that look like? What what are the good things we're actually offering? And for us to reflect Christ and to be an alternative, we must be different. To be authentic is to lean into who you are becoming in Christ, not leaning into our fleshly desires because that would make us look like everybody else, and that's not authentic. To be a carbon copy of a self-righteous a person with a Christian label won't get anyone else very far in the kingdom. You don't look any different, and I'm so guilty of that. Um, yeah, and so there's three main concerns here that are on display in this prayer from Jesus that I'd like to mention, and number one, it's his concern for followers to remain united. That's in verse 11. Number two, his concern for being equipped, or his concern for others being equipped and praying for their protection in the world in 13, 14, and concern for people, uh, the people who follow him to be holy, to be set apart, 17, 19. So that first part of the unity of followers, Jesus describes the unity in an incredibly intimate way. He says that the unity of the followers should share mirrors the intimacy that he shares with the Father. So it's a call for us to be rooted in intimacy with Jesus. He's concerned for them because right now they're unified because he's present with them. He's in the flesh, but he's leaving, and this will become a lot more difficult. But they are to remain unified through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's also, he talks about glory in this prayer. And when We reflect God's glory to other people the way Jesus did. We reveal unity, love, and truth. So a question is like, what does unity in the spirit look like? And perhaps it looks like a lot of, what are you doing? Oh, thank you. You knew. (laughs) Look how cool Grant is. There's a basketball sticker on here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Ah, Okay. Okay. shouldn't have drank all that Mountain Dew at breakfast. (laughs) Just kidding, I have not had Mountain Dew in like 20 years. (laughs) When I realized it melted your teeth off, I was like, I can't do that. Okay, Um, so yes, what does unity in the spirit look like? And perhaps, again, unity, not uniformity, (laughs) um, but unity. Perhaps it looks like a lot of sacrificial little deaths on our part along the way as we serve and love other people. His second concern here, uh, to equip people and for their protection, and the way he has equipped them is that he says he has given them God's word. And this is a gift to us, to to equip us as we minister to others, but also to minister to us. And Jesus prays for their protection from Satan, understanding that those who earnestly seek to do God's will will attract negative attention from Satan. Their refuge will be in the name of the Lord. There is power in words. There's power in Jesus' words. And the third concern is for holiness and sanctification. And Jesus says here that they are in the world, but they do not belong to the world. And the word world here doesn't refer to like just like the physical location, but rather a spiritual standing with God. It's like you're either... Like, Jesus is either king of your life or the prince and ruler of this world is the king of your life. And he wants them to be sanctified and holy, not just so they can, like, look good or whatever, but really to set them apart to be able to do God's purposes, which is beneficial for everybody involved. And he says that we are sanctified by the truth. And in turn, his disciples will receive the Holy Spirit. And that spirit will guide them into all truth. Next slide. And so we also have three lessons I want to hit on from this prayer. Um, One, the first one being about spirituality. Jesus gives us insight into our spirituality by exhibiting and demonstrating his spirituality in this prayer. He wasn't afraid to express his deep relationship with God and gives us an invitation to that same kind of relationship with God. And our relationship with God is not a list of following rules and memorizing church doctrine, but looks more like a very intimate familial relationship. And Jesus became human to accomplish the mission that was set before him, but was his only work to come and die on the cross? No. (laughs) Wait, what did y'all say? Oh, bless you. Bless you. Amen. Okay. Um... (laughs) (laughs) And this prayer suggests that the gospel is much more exhaustive than that. There's so many implications from the resurrection and Jesus being here. God made himself nothing and displayed the greatest form of meekness, which is power under control and lowliness. God did not send a messenger and stay far off. He came himself. Second lesson is truth. In the midst of the spirit, filled experience, Jesus makes sure that these are not simply only spiritual experiences. A lot of people, especially in Denton, call themselves spiritual but not religious, and a fun question to ask is, what does that mean? (laughs) Um, And the difference between spiritual and following Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we can be anchored in truth. We get this from 1717. There's a, um, a lot of comforting truths found in Jesus and a lot of uncomfortable truths found in Jesus. And he calls for us to remain in him for the truth. And so I know this is like a no-brainer, but the opposite of truth is lies. And I just want to remind us who is the father of lies. Satan. And out of Jesus' love for others, we invite others to know Christ and share with him in the truth that is rooted in compassion for his people. And Jesus is saying that the people of the church are to be truth seekers. We are to be people who are looking for truth in any and all situations. Um, And we've also got to be humble. Like, we've got to be really humble and know we don't have everything figured out, regardless of where your convictions are. We have to have an open mind and Jesus was full of grace and truth. I feel like it's really hard to get both of those right at the same time, but I think that's one of the ways we can look different. Like Michelle, in her workplace, grace and truth. She didn't get in there and defend, like, the sanctity of Christianity, because this is America, but she, (laughs) instead, she died to herself and stayed up, even though she had insomnia, she stayed up and texted that friend, and I guarantee if you could go visit people in the ER right now, Michelle would have been there with her co-worker. I guarantee that. So, um, Jesus was full of grace and truth and love rejoices with the truth. And the third thing is mission. And so, the, this idea isn't explicitly stated in this prayer as it is in the Great Commission in Matthew where Jesus commands his followers to go and make disciples of all nations. But this prayer assumes that we will go and make disciples. And so Jesus is praying for the disciples' disciples. Okay. So, yeah, the idea of mission is not explicitly stated in this prayer, but it assumes that we will be missional and go to make disciples because Jesus is praying for the disciples' disciples. And Jesus does not call us to hole up in our little Christian communities and try and make each other more spiritual. He calls us to go out to the world and to invite others to the good news. And too often, uh, there's a lot of people I'm sure all of us care about who've experienced this, but too often someone has presented the good news while being bad news to people. And So are you a good news person? Are you the gospel on display for people in your life? inside and outside the church. And it's so weird to think about, but it's because of these men that we are sitting here today, men and women. There were women also following Jesus. And there's so many people to be loved in this city, Uh, and we are called to share the love we've received. And so I don't want to put all the burden on us. It's very much God who does the work here, but he does it, through partnering with us because he enjoys us there's a lot of sounds going on um but he's so cute um yeah and he wants us to be a part of his good work in the world and part of that is by being good news to people so next slide please so that question I asked earlier what can we offer I think a lot of people outside of the church are honestly pretty content so we can't act like I don't know, that we can offer them the things the culture can offer them. But we, we can offer them these, these things. I was listening to Mark Sayers, who's an Australian pastor, and these were the things he was talking about. Um, and so the first thing we can offer is joy. Biblical joy is different from the fleeting dopamine we call happiness. And it's cultivated and countered in our regular one-on-one time intimacy with Jesus. It can be present in the midst of deep suffering, and it's an accurate account of the extravagant love the Father has given us over time. It's rooted in a deep gratitude, and it can't be bought, manufactured, or consumed. But is this not how we often try to experience joy, or those outside of Christ experience joy? by having a greed of experiences, things that produce that dopamine rush that ultimately disappears. Um, The second thing we can offer is faith. Faith is different to the fear of external circumstances. Fear gives us uh, an off-ramp from faith and often what we fear is a lack of control over our futures. Sometimes it feels like I will never learn this lesson. (laughs) In other times, I've experienced profound peace not knowing what was going to happen. And to be different, we must give up the idolatry of an earthly future. And in faith, give control over to God. In faith, in peace that can transcend circumstances. We can enact in that. And I think that's different. One of my friends, who, I mean, we've been friends since like the sixth grade. And she like hates Christianity But she loves me, so it's, like, really weird. But um, she's, like, a very staunch atheist. She lives in Portland, Oregon. And she's just surrounded by people who are like her, uh, who think and talk like her a lot. But we'll talk on the phone, and she's like, you're the only one that ever asked me about myself and how I'm doing. And every time she comes back to town, I'm the first person that she texts. I'm pretty sure I'm the only Christian person in her life. And God has been faithful with us and I haven't given up on that friendship even though there are times when it's like maybe this would be easier if we weren't but I really have a deep uh love for her and I I pray for her that she will know Jesus Uh, my mouth is so dry okay the third thing is hope and hope is different to despair and nihilism (laughs) there's some really interesting stats right now on how nihilism is becoming a more popular worldview So be on the watch for that. Um, And nihilism is like basically total selfish destruction. And nihilism and despair is a result of loss of faith in institutions like politics or the failing myth of progress. Um, And biblical hope is contagious when people really get it right. Hope is the realization that we cannot pull off redemption ourselves. Only God can. But we do get to partner with him in that. And we don't mourn like people who don't have hope. We mourn differently. And in our mourning, we know that there is life after death um, because of the resurrection. And we also get to experience that resurrection life now. There's a lot of like interesting theological like routes we can take, and I probably can't answer all those questions, but I think that's really exciting. The fourth thing is innovation, and that's different than clinging to how things used to be. Uh, COVID has given us a lot of weird limitations, but limitations provide steps for creativity. If we as a church get this right, perhaps the world can be blessed by our examples and creativity. And there's an opportunity to learn from the world's innovation. There's also an opportunity for us to learn from the world's innovation. Don't let me hear me say, like, the church is the only one's getting this right. But as a church collectively, because we're organized, we can make a big impact in that way you know, instead of dying, a slow Zoom death of boredom. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think of, like, the, the lambs when the pre-vaccination days, they uh, invited our small group over to carve pumpkins in their driveway. There's a lot of things like that. Um, and I think people have been really innovative. Also, we can be people who don't cancel on other people. There's so many memes about, like, me when someone cancels, like, and you're still in your bed. And you're like, yeah, I get it, but like, what if we were people who were dependable? I think that's weirdly innovative nowadays. Um, the fifth thing is holiness, which we already hit on a little bit, but to be set apart and distinctive. <clears throat> and there's so many ways to be set apart, but I think one particular area I want to comment on is emotional toxicity. And emotional toxicity is a threat to holiness, It takes on a lot of forms, but it can look like a codependent lashing out whenever people don't meet what we identify as needs when really they're just wants. It can create temptations in us to be people pleasers or people haters. Both are not good or helpful. And it can range from blaming the church for not doing enough and being the church's biggest critic while actually not having skin in the game or to one-on-one expecting others to bend over backwards for you to make up for an emotional deficit. And we have plenty of counselors in here and social workers and students who are studying in those fields and they can probably tell you what they're seeing and what trends are on the rise um, as we become more individualistic as a culture. But a way that we can be set apart from that is to be humble and steadfast and stable truth-tellers and truth-seekers and someone who dwells in the truth, someone who can withstand the emotional blows from others, knowing full well what people need at the end of the day is not you, but for you to show them Jesus. And Now, I'm going to tell some stories about people in our church, and, oh, you can barely see that. And there's pictures. I, you know... Sorry, I took all of these from your Facebook, but <laughs> and I didn't have room for for all the stories that I'll tell, but water break. So <clears throat> A lot of times people make fun of me because I have a really good memory, but in some ways, it's very valuable because God will just remind me of all the things I've heard and seen. And um, yeah, I don't know. So I wanted to tell stories of people in our church, uh, befriending those or just loving those outside the church. And of course, I got to start with Leslie and Kurt, our resident mom and dad here. So when they lived in Garland, they made the intentional decision to have their house be the house on the block where the neighborhood kids could hang out. They had an open door, an open fridge, an open computer as well. You know, when back in the 90s or 2000s, it was like we all had that one computer in the kitchen. No, None of us had like an office in our house. Um, they would also host cookouts in their backyard for their neighbors. They adopted a son when he was a teenager named Eddie Barajas. Some of y'all know him. And they have had two international sons since then that have lived with them, Pierre, Kojo, and our own Quincy. And Which, Pierre and Quincy were already inside the church, but I just thought that was worth noting. Um, And there is a funny story about the computer, but I won't share it here. I'll tell you guys later. So yeah, they had an open fridge, an open table, an open door, and I just think... I don't know, just to be a place of security for people who might not have had that is really special. Um, Brad, uh, one of the weirdest people I know, but also one of the most generous people I know. And over the years, he has consistently had an entrepreneurial heart towards the impoverished and low-income brothers and sisters in this area. We can see that through the Metro Auto Ministry. Uh, One time when I was in college an opportunity to to serve came up and he, Chelsea, Sierra Graves, maybe Hannah Mason, and I went to help him paint a little girl's uh, bedroom to bless her mom who's a single mom and it was magenta and I think Brad ended up painting most of it as we like played with her daughters (laughs) Um, but also during the pandemic Brad hired a lot of -of out-of-work bartenders so they could have a wage and I just like listen to that again like A pastor here hired bartenders. Like, Brad was looking out for the local community. Like, I think that's really neat. Claudia and Ricardo, really some of the most hospitable and generous people I've ever met. Their neighbor kid invites himself over often to play Guitar Hero and to play with their dog. (laughs) They also befriended a couple next door to them before that couple moved away. Um, I've known Claudia for a while, and... She has also been on the receiving end of some real hurt and rejection from a couple of friends who uh, basically they left Jesus and left her at the same time. And I know how much, how painful that was because Claudia cares so deeply. And I know, and she desires reconciliation. So I know if those people had an interest in coming back, like Claudia would receive them with open arms. Um, And I think that's really special. Oh man, Adam Chabinew. There's two pictures of Ricardo up here, (laughs) one with Adam. Um, Yeah, Adam Chabinew. Adam, I asked him if this was okay to share this, but uh, Adam never got to meet his dad because his dad was killed by a drug dealer when he was an infant. And when Adam was 20 years old, I think, maybe 19, he drove down to Huntsville to meet the man that killed his father and forgave him face to face and offered grace and compassion. And that guy was like, you got to tell me more about this Jesus guy, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think since then Adam has reached out to him, but he hasn't heard from him. But I was like, whoa, like that, that, is, that is different. <laughs> like, I don't know, that is so different to offer like that kind of grace and compassion to someone. Uh, Chelsea she, I think she has her race this morning, but you know, Chelsea talks a tough game, but she, and she is tough, but she cares a lot about redemption and reconciliation with some of the hardest groups of people that she meets through her job in her personal life. Uh, when she was a social worker with CIS, she would talk about her kids from Myanmar, the Chin population, and they would, they, a lot of them came to Louisville as refugees. And she would go to their soccer games and cheer them on and pray for them. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get this right. Currently, she's a trauma prevention specialist. I think that's what it is. Oh, Vianette nodded yes. Thank you. Uh, But, yeah, so she works with court-mandated people who are often difficult to be really patient with. But whenever she's teaching them something... You know, that will prevent them from basically engaging in sin again. She, like, lights up, and she doesn't give up on them. Uh, Thea. Thea works for an immigrant refugee from Iran who is a chef. And as part of her refugee status, she has to retain her job and income. And this woman was in danger of losing that not that long ago because business was down. So Thea reached out to our church and our college ministry, and I think it's going well, right, Clarissa? And many of her customers are our college students and our church, all because Thea was faithful just by asking. And often we'll hear this woman, like, just be so thankful to our community, usually through her Instagram posts that I've seen. Um, But I think that's really neat. Uh, Vianette, like Chelsea has also a difficult calling, and works with low-income students in the, in the school system. And an opportunity came up earlier in the semester for one of her kids. And it required to like raise money. And the students from Denton Focus raised over like $1,000 to bless this kid. And he and his mom were just so thankful and like, sweet. And it was going to a relative in Mexico who was in need of some pretty serious surgery. And I just, I mean, my, uh, my heart was, like, you know, the size of this room whenever Vianette told me that story. <clears throat> I think that kid's mom, who was Pentecostal, also told Vianette she needed to wear skirts, but um, <laughs> she can tell you more about that. <laughs> uh, Darby? <laughs> what? Oh, sorry. I'll be quiet. Uh, no, I won't, because I'm talking. Okay. Darby... Darby and Drew befriended their DoorDash driver, Claire, <laughs> and her boyfriend, Mitchell? Is that his name? Mitch, yeah. Just Mitch. <laughs> they even invited him to go to the water park with us and our students, and I think they had a great time. And they also went on a trip with them not that long ago, and they, they look for ways to bless them the way their other friends don't bless them. Um, Garrett, Garrett Davis. Garrett is one of the most compassionate and generous people I've ever met, not only to those in the church, but definitely those outside of it too, Uh, next door to him and his family. They've lived in their house for a while, and right next to them has always been like an older gay couple who had been there for a long time, and so during the pandemic, one day an ambulance came by and took a husband away, and that husband didn't come back. And the husband that died was the husband that did a lot of the outdoor chores. So one day, Garrett, with his other neighbor, his other neighbor who likes to smoke weed, decided that they were just going to start doing picking up where the, the husband who passed away like, left off, essentially. And I think he did a few other things, too, like fixing a few things around the house, maybe getting some groceries. But they did it so often that the guy was like, okay, thank you, but I have to learn to do this now. Um, then I just think, like, man, like, love thy neighbor, right? Like, no qualifications, just love thy neighbor. And those are the kind of stories you don't hear about in the news about the church, which maybe they wouldn't be as meaningful if we did. But so, um, yeah, I also think about Aaron and Miriam and Melissa developing really good relationships with their co-workers on campus at UNT and their students and blessing them. I think about Rita and Andrea reaching out to our church to to bless their kids, at their, uh, their teachers, with snacks and coats and uh, other supplies that they might need. And, yeah, I, I could tell more stories, but I also think, you know, we can't just stay where we're comfortable. We've got to move on to the next phase of whatever this looks like for you. So I have some questions for us to consider. Uh, definitely don't answer these out loud unless you want to put yourself on blast in front of everybody. But uh, next slide, please. So a question I have, it, or so I'll read all these out, basically. Is your agency, a.k.a. your privilege, your money, your resources, your time, in submission to the Lord? Is your agency used to benefit those without much agency the way Jesus would? Do you see people inside and outside the church as worthy of your compassion? Are you a friend of sinners the way Jesus was? Do you pray for those outside the church the way Jesus did? Do you have an open table and refrigerator to those around you? Do you think you're better than anyone else? Be honest and confess to a friend and then pray together. It's really easy to write off groups of people who offend us. I'm guilty of that big time. Are there people the Lord is calling you to love, befriend, and disciple? Are you hesitant? Why? Do you believe that Jesus offers compassion to you? And what would it take for you to be convinced of that? Ask the Lord to show you. So, as we befriend those outside of the church, we need to have an air of caution surrounding our own temptations. It's not the people outside of the church's fault, like if we give in to sin, okay? But sometimes as we're trying to evangelize to the culture, the culture evangelizes us. Um, I can think of examples around... Basically, drinking and dating are probably two big ones. Could I see Jesus, you know, taking shots of fireball at public house, like on Fry Street on Thursday night? No. But could I see him maybe hanging out in the backyard around a fire pit, you know, while people are having one drink discussing life? Yeah, I could see that. And so maybe a next devotional with the Lord. You could ask the Lord. In what ways have I been evangelized to by the culture? In what ways have I accepted the quote-unquote good news of the culture? And what is the fruit of that? So all of us have, the, have a next phase of maturing in friendship that Jesus is inviting us into. And none of this is at all to condemn anybody but to empower and equip. And to do this together, to be on mission together. There is joy on the other side of obedience. And love thy neighbor has no self-preservation exclusions to it. Love thy neighbor, full stop. So I will pray for us. Um, God, thank you so much for just equipping our church over the years and that people have been faithful, especially with people in the workplace. Um, I pray that you would give each of us a vision of that next phase of, of friendship uh, inside and outside the church and that you would make it clear to us amen and then I don't know if I am I doing Q&A okay I'll do like five minutes of a and A, Q and r because I don't know if I'll have the answers you know but I can respond
2: Yeah, um, something I was thinking about during your sermon that we actually talked about, well, I think you mostly talked about in our small group, and it was really helpful um, because me and one of my roommates just often, like, he'll, he'll come to me and say, just kind of as a precursor, he'll come to me and say, just often, man, I'm so scared of life after death. Like, I know that Jesus has me and yada, yada, but man, just thinking about that is so scary. And you kind of touched on the um, the nihilism and I think it's influenced by some of that, but you also like mentioned that there is hope on the other side of that. And I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what the hope we should have in after death. I know that's kind of a little bit theological and a little more like deep, quote unquote, but it is I I feel like it's really helpful and sometimes it's kind of scary to think about that kind of thing and I just kinda wanted you to give your thoughts on that so it doesn't sound so scary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah I think I mean it just sounds like he's really afraid and I think you can be compassionate about that and, and ask him what what is he really afraid of, you know. And fun fact about the book of Revelation that book was actually really comforting to the early Christians because persecution was so bad. Like, you had people being ripped apart by wild animals, nude, in front of thousands of people in the Colosseum. And you had people being covered in boiling oil, like, to their death. Like, I mean, it was, like, really messed up, scary, crucifixions everywhere. And so Revelation, and there's a lot about, you know, life after death in there, and what the kingdom of heaven was going to be like, was a book of comfort to them. But because we are a very comfortable culture, it seems really scary to us. (laughs) And so I think that's something to think about, is that it was a book of comfort to those who were living through incredibly scary times, but those of us who are very comfortable, it seems scary to us because we have something to lose. So, yeah, and we use the word hope, like, oh, I hope this happens, Um, meaning, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think biblical hope is rooted in the expectation of, I know there's life, the conviction of, like, I know there's life after death, and I would also recommend reading Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright, so maybe your roommate would be open to a little book club together, so that's my short answer, and there's plenty of people you could ask around here, too.
3: I have a question. Yes. Um. So yeah, I think yeah. I guess just asking about like if you have some words about striking a balance, especially with friends like that are that yeah know you're Christian, know where you stand, but want to like celebrate things with you that like you would that aren't maybe aren't healthy or like mm-hmm. maybe dangerous or just yeah or maybe just like uh, choices that. You know, you like if it were someone who was following Jesus and was living to a higher standard, you'd try to like challenge them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, but they like they know where you stand, but they're still like, yeah, how do we engage and still like, yeah, be a good friend, um, but not, I don't know, just be like a broken record of like, oh, that's bad or like, that's Mm -hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, like, speak the truth. Yeah.
0: And these are people outside the church that yes. are not Christians? outside the
3: church, not Christians. Know that you're a Christian. Yeah. But, like, are wanting to celebrate some things that you wouldn't, like, celebrate, mm-hmm. you know? hmm Or want to talk about, like, yeah, so this happened. Yeah. Like, Teehee, you know?
0: I, I don't know the answer to that question. I think balance is a tricky word because it assumes that there is an even-scale distribution in any and all situations. And I think if you ask any new parent, that's just not true. <laughs> There's no balance. You're dictated by your kid's temperament for a long time. Uh, I don't know. I think, you know, may, like I, maybe a question I would have is, are you holding yourself to some internal pressure to be a certain way for them? And honestly, I would just pray for them and ask the Lord what he desires out of that. I, you know, I think of Paul saying, like, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? And so, yeah, you can revisit the truth with them and be a stable truth teller and give a lot of little invitations along the way. But I think, you know, maybe there's some room to, to be in their world as much as they are in your world. So I don't know if that answers it. Those are just kind of my thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
3: Cool. Hello, Clea. Hi. So this is kind of a follow-up question to that. So, like, what, to what extent do we, like, participate in things, like, in the culture, like, you kind of mentioned, like, going to bars and stuff like like, that, Mm that just, like, popped in my mind. So, yeah, what, like, to what extent do we, like, participate in that to, like, meet people where they're at and (laughs) to, like, reach people, but then also not to, like, be influenced by the culture?
0: Yeah, that's a difficult one. Um, Like, all of us, a lot of us probably have Christmas trees in our house. And that's definitely been co-opted from the pagans in the first century. And you never hear people complaining about, well, oh, I can't be here because there's a Christmas tree here or whatever. Um, but I, I, think, I, I think you kind of have to evaluate, especially, okay, what are, what are the idols of my city? And so Denton, I mean, I was a part of it, dude. I, I walked past my old life on Fry Street all the time. And I'm sad knowing what goes on in there most of the time. And so, like, again, maybe there's some place, some things are, like, a little bit hard and fast rules to not participate in. Um, but maybe there are some different things that you can. Like, I don't know. Something my, most of my close friends in high school were, like, Latina. And so they would invite me over to their family celebrations, and, you know, I mean, this isn't exclusive to Latin culture. Every culture likes to drink a little bit too much. And, I mean, I wasn't going to leave because people were drinking, but I learned a lot. I learned how to play lotteria. I learned uh, what good tacos <laughs> taste like. Um, I learned, like, really amazing hospitality and inclusion, um, and also, you see, the example is Jesus. So he invited, he was friend of friend of sinners. I'm not saying that culture is sinners, but I'm, this is an example. can only go so far. Um, I think Jesus was, he was inclusive, and he invited people to his table as well. So, yeah, I, I can't really give a ton of answers to that. But also, good trees bear good fruit. That's from Jesus. So you kind of have to evaluate, is this a good tree? Does it bear good fruit? And, you know, honestly, are my temptations like too strong for this environment? Do you know yourself? Um, So that's helpful too, I think. Maybe one or two more? (laughs) Okay, Um, my husband, Grant, is gonna come up here, right? No? There's a special announcement. About something. <laughs> and I'm gonna sit down.
4: Hey. Good morning. I'm gonna raise this microphone a little bit. No, I'm not. It's wrapped around. Okay. Um, I am gonna give an announcement about the BIPOC team. So, a few months ago, we had a survey that was put out, a race and ethnicity survey, and we've been meeting. For the last few months kind of just discussing that and analyzing all the data from just what people put in their answers to the survey and we came up with a list of resources for people to just look over it's christmas time so there's less school and people are kind of less busy Um, and some of the resources are shorter like short articles and some of them are longer like podcast episodes or even books So that will be posted on the Facebook page and in the newsletter, just links to all those things. And yeah, so we thought we would just put out a resource list for people to learn more. Um, I think that's all I had to say about that. Oh, yeah, so some of this ideas and stuff from these resources will be starting to be more included in our services, just if they're in worship or like a thought. So just, just know that'll be happening in the next few months. Yes, Sean? No? Okay, Uh, so yeah, I have another announcement from Sean. The the DNC men are doing a Secret Santa, that's college students and non-college students, and there's a link on Facebook to sign up. Today's the last day to sign up. Anything else, Sean? Anyone else? Merry Christmas.
5: I've got some announcements for us. Um, So the first one is uh, next week is going to be like a special uh, Christmas service. And part of that is going to be bringing donations for Our Our Daily Bread. It's kind of like the standard things you'd expect it to be for that kind of thing, like toiletries, clothing items, that type of stuff. So that'll be emailed out in the newsletter. So you don't need to like, pictures are great if you want to take one. But yeah, try to bring at least one item to donate to Our Daily Bread next week. Uh, for our Christmas service. Um, uh, the next one is also about the upcoming Christmas service. Uh, so the people who are planning it, it's going to be like a worship service. And for the four days coming up to it, there's going to be uh, like verses to to read and think about and kind of prepare our hearts and minds to come worship next week for our, the special Christmas service. Um, so that will also be emailed out in the newsletter. Um, And then next thing is our holiday schedule. So we always have a little bit of a different schedule around the holidays. So the 19th, you know, a week from today is going to be the Christmas service I've been talking about. And then the week after that, the 26th, we are not going to meet. So that week you can plan on um, attending church with your family or going to a friend's church or inviting people over for a little home gathering. And then January 2nd, the week after that, we'll resume meeting normally. So that's what our schedule is going to be in the next couple weeks. Um, and now everyone's favorite announcement, the mission and values survey that, that we've been announcing. Um, it's been hard to get people to take it. We're up to 22 people, so that is definitely progress. Um, Brad said that uh, in order to like incentivize people to take it, he wanted to, uh, we'll have like a sweepstakes, so everyone who takes it will pick a winner, and then that person can have endless car maintenance and repairs new vehicles from brad for the rest of their life he he was really excited about offering that (laughs) just kidding um there might be a sweepstakes maybe just for like a hard-boiled egg or something um but i I think i didn't do this for weeks because it was like okay i'll get around to that but then it's like just in that sweet spot of like it doesn't really involve anyone else so i'm not scheduling it it's like enough work that i kind of don't want to like it's easy to put off you know so I think maybe what we'll could fix it, maybe we can get like a bunch of people in this week if everyone that wants to do it just like puts a little reminder in their calendar <laughs> to do it at a time maybe later today that's going to be good for you. It's not that hard. Um, but anyway, what it is though, if you uh, aren't familiar with the past announcements, um, it's just a short survey that uh, has to do with how you feel like we or you are doing as a church um, regarding like our mission and our values. Um and so the pastoral cohort is going to, like, analyze these results and uh, share, about, share about them going forward. And what they have to say will actually be really useful and make a lot of sense if we all take it, or if, you know, a lot of us do. So, yeah, stick that in your calendar. Um, this next uh, meeting, is, or, sorry, uh, announcement, there we go, Josh McGinty is going to give. It's about uh, the worship team. So, Yeah. We said it before, um, but worship team, we're kind of
6: reorganizing, revamping everything for next year with worship team. So please go to DentonNorthChurch.com slash worship, sign up for it. Even if you have already been a part of worship team, helping out with stuff like the people today uh, that helped out, make sure y'all have signed up for it. If you want to be a part of 2022 worship team, whether you're on stage or just some kind of helping out, if you want to help out in some way we're still figuring stuff out and so sign up for it if you have any kind of interest at all um that is not for people who just want to lead worship this is for people who can play an instrument who can sing who can we're, we're you know we're flexible we're trying to figure everything out so if you have an interest in 2022 worship team fill that out there's a couple other questions that are tied to this uh forum beyond just your information like when we're going to have the meeting uh to discuss everything and kind of schedule things out Plus, also, we're considering some different format changes and uh, things like that and getting some feed, just general feedback on that to see if there is any kind of interest in that. So I think it takes about five minutes to do for the people that have done it. You'd say about five minutes, right? So about five minutes to do. So when you get that values and mission survey done, go ahead and fill that out if you're also interested in the worship team. So um, I said everything. Yes, never mind. I said everything. DenNorthChurch.com
5: worship beautifully done, just blew me out of the water. Um, So the pastoral cohort interest session, um, so the cohort is kind of like an apprentice or a class for learning about church ministry and leadership. It's not just for people who really think they want to be on staff with the church. It's also just for people who uh, want to grow in their leadership and their contribution to our church community. Um, Yeah, if you're interested in that, uh, just talk to any of our pastors, Leslie, Josh, Brad, or Ryan Plachey, he's not a pastor, but he um, can answer your questions about that. And if you don't know who those people are and you're interested, talk to me. <laughs> and then um, for giving, you can go to DentonNorthChurch.com give. That's what we're doing instead of passing the basket these days. Um, it goes to cover the essential costs of operating a church, um, meeting needs inside and outside of our community, and to fund staff whose main priority is to pour directly back into you guys. So um, that's a place where you can give. You can set up recurring donations or do it as a one-time, and with that, I'll just say a short prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. God, thank you for gathering us today. Thank you for the sermon. Um, I ask that you will lead us each into, I guess, the next step as far as how we relate to those outside the church, um, that you'll help us to have, like, ideas and maybe creative new ways of approaching that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you are dismissed.